Please be seated. Boy, if ever there was a gospel that sounded prettier and yet felt more difficult to live up to, I think it's this morning's gospel. Love your enemies. Pray for those who curse you. Turn your other cheek when you're slapped. Someone takes your tunic, your coat, give them your tunic as well. Bless and do not curse. Oh my goodness. You know, it's a good thing that we get to practice this all our life, right? Scripture scholars argue about the Sermon on the Mount. Well, they don't really argue. They have interesting academic discussions about whether um, the Beatitudes and the other teachings that we have known as the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plain are meant to be <clears throat> present instructions or a vision of eschatological reality whether they're meant to say this is how you should act now or whether they're to say this is what it's going to be like when you get to the kingdom <coughs> and I'm convinced that the answer to the question is both Jesus is saying that the kind of behavior he describes in our gospel this morning is something we're to aspire towards, work towards we don't get a free pass till we get to the kingdom, but that we will only fully be able to live this out when we reach the fullness of God's presence in the time of God's reign. And so I look at these and I could expound far longer than you care to listen about almost any of these uh, commands that Jesus gives us. These uh, <coughs> ways of being that Jesus invites us to. But I think they're all really, for me, they all point to the same thing that I need to pay attention to. And, and one is that most of these behaviors that Jesus asks us to practice involve recognizing our communion with the people involved. Love your enemies reminds us that our quote enemies unquote are human just like us. That they are more like us than they are different from us. And they also remind us if we have eyes to see and ears to hear that we don't always do so well ourselves. Turning the other cheek reminds us that just as others sometimes injure us, we are capable of injuring others, if not physically, then emotionally or spiritually. And it's an invitation to us to be not quite so ready 
to dismiss others as different, as other, and to be more ready to see them as our fellow creatures of God, imperfect, doing on any given day perhaps the best we're capable of doing, but also certainly given lots to work on in our life. I can remember in seminary, my first year in seminary, I got so angry at the dean that I could barely stand to look at him. I, uh, I don't remember what I was angry about. <laughs> Shows how important it was. Showed more about me. I was going through a disruption in my life and I wasn't handling it well and all those unpleasant feelings came welling up. I looked for an other to cast them out on. And Dean Sisk was the unlucky recipient of my anger, my hatred, my upset, my unsettledness. And then came Maundy Thursday, and in the chapel at Seabury, we had the foot washing. And Mark Sisk, the dean, later the Bishop of New York, came down and he was always impeccably dressed. He took off his black suit jacket, hung it over one of the finials, took off his cufflinks, rolled up his French cuffs, got down on the bare stone floor with a basin and towels and an empty chair in front of him and got ready to wash some feet. And I turned to my wife and I said, I'll be darned if I want to let that guy wash my feet. I want nothing to do with him. And then I sat and I watched, and he was only one of three people washing feet, but he was the one that happened to be strategically situated by God right in my line of sight. So I sat there and I watched and I watched and I watched and you know what happened, right? Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit started niggling at me, said, let him wash your feet. No, thank you. <laughs> really, you'll, you'll feel better of it. I, I took a shower this morning. My feet are fine, God. <laughs> let him wash your feet, Peter. Don't be such a stubborn ass. So I went down, I took my shoes and socks off, and I sat down, and I looked, I looked Mark in the face, and he smiled at me, and he very lovingly washed my feet and patted them dry, and then as I stood up, he stood up, and we gave each other a hug. And uh, afterwards he said, I, I was hoping you would come up. And I said, I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> he said, I knew that. But so did God. And uh, 
it's not that we never disagreed after that, because we did. But uh, he and I were always able to see the humanity that we shared, the brokenness that we shared. And I was always able to turn to him and say, I may not like some of the decisions you're making, but I sure love you, Mark. And that's been the case in so much of my spiritual life, is that these challenges that Jesus faces before me, I can't do on my own. And I can never do them perfectly. But what I've learned, and continue to learn, is that the more I physically practice doing the things that Jesus invites us to do, the more my mind changes and my heart changes. I heard yesterday a, a podcast on one of my favorite series in which uh, the interviewer, Krista Tippett, was interviewing a neuroscientist and they were talking about neuroplasticity. And, um, and he said, if you change the way you act, your mind and your spirit will follow. And I think that's what Jesus is saying to us in uh, much more uh, elegant language. Do the things that don't come naturally. Look for the connection, the similarities rather than the differences. Begin to act on them and see what happens to your spirit. It will blossom and grow and your life will be changed. So that's my prayer for myself pretty much every day. And this morning it's my prayer and my hope for each of us that knowing that we're not perfect and knowing that Jesus sometimes has the rather rude habit of inviting us to do things we don't want to do, that we give it a try and see what happens. Trusting that we are indeed children of the Most High who is merciful and invites us to be merciful as well. Amen.